Welcome to Highway Christian Community Sermon Downloads. For more sermons, please visit our website. We know you will be blessed as you listen. Take care and God bless. Well, good morning and God bless you as you listen to the word and may you be encouraged as Jesus' disciples said their hearts burned within them as the word of God was declared. I pray today your heart will be warmed by his word. Let's pray. Lord, thank you today that you said the word that comes from your mouth shall not depart, shall not go void, but it shall return. And we thank you, Lord, it returns having accomplished the purpose for which you have sent it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, over the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at the scripture in Matthew 16, where Jesus said, I will build my church. See, that's the one thing he has said and promised that he will continue to do whatever situation we're in. We've also looked, and I'm sure by now you should be familiar with the word church as being the word ecclesia, which they understood as a common and a familiar term that was used to describe the coming together of as few as two or three people. It could be 10 people or 100 people, but as few as two or three people coming together would carry the authority and the culture and the endorsement of the emperor. And that was the context that Jesus is talking into. And he chose that medium, that term, above the tabernacle and the, the, the temple because it was uh, the best suited agency for permeating the Roman culture uh, without the cumbersome uh, burdens of reproducing the whole elaborate temple with its outer place and inner place and holy place. Uh, which Jesus himself came to fulfill and doesn't have to be replicated. But his temple is alive and well on earth. It's his ecclesia. It's his church. Whether it's two or three gathered, that's where the kingdom of God is. That's where Jesus says that my headquarters is right here. And whether we're meeting at Harvey Road with a couple of hundred people or in your living room as you have been over these last few weeks, You carry the authority, the government, the culture to be able to loose and unloose in the unseen realm that has a ramification and an impact in the seen realm on earth as it is in heaven. And I trust by now we're starting to see this as the main purpose of Ecclesia, where we are standing in ambassadorial authority for the government of heaven to come and replace the illegitimate government that Satan has established on this planet. That, my friend, is what uh, Jesus has called us to and said he is building his church. So we're going to move a little bit away from what the Ecclesia is to what the Ecclesia looks like. Because they're slightly two different things. What it is, is the Ecclesia's authority to unlock and to lock, to bind and to loose. But what it looks like, we started last week a little bit. We went back to 
1 Corinthians chapter 12, where Paul writes to them and says, when you come together, one has a a song and one has a, a revelation, another has an instruction, another has a tongue. So he's talking about the ministry that takes place. And he says, all these things are done to edify the church. So we know that the coming together, what it should look like is a place of edification. It's a place where our gifts are employed to be able to build up one another. Now, we also see in Acts 2.42, the very first mention of the church after Pentecost, after that great revival took place and the conversion of of thousands of, of people. It says about them in verse 42 that they devoted themselves. Can you see how it came from their own motivation? They devoted themselves, one, to the apostles' doctrine, which was the preaching of the gospel and the kingdom of God. Secondly, to the breaking of bread, which we've already discussed and seen the importance of bringing the presence of Jesus into our living room, into our communion, into our fellowship. And then also prayer and fellowship. That's what they gave themselves to. And as they were doing that, there were signs and wonders and miracles taking place because they were binding and loosing and seeing the kingdom of God demonstrated in their midst. And the Lord added daily to their number those being saved. Isn't that a beautiful picture of what the church looked like in the first century? That Acts 2 church, that church Paul wrote to, that were edifying, encouraging one another. And I want to share with you a little bit this morning, and I hope to continue next Sunday morning, as we look at this topic of what this ecclesia looks like. We know that our old self, what the Bible talks about, um, the old man, lived very much for himself, egocentric, self-centered. And then when we're born again, the Bible talks about the new man. The new man is created for community. He's baptized into the body of Jesus. The first man, the fallen man, was associated with first Adam and got his identity from first Adam. The last Adam is Christ, who's our new identity. He's the one in whom we live and move and have our being. And it's in his body that he now has a new commandment that we are to follow. And I want to ask you to take up your Bibles. I believe the scriptures are going to come up, but let's look at them together. So first of all, John 13 from verse 34 to verse 35 says, A new commandment I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. Jesus makes no mincing of his words here. He demonstrated the perfect love as I have loved you. So what is the very ethos and culture of this ecclesia? It's a place where we learn how to love one another. It's in our nature. It's in the new man to want to be able to love others. In this command Jesus gave, there was a, it was an empowering command. It wasn't a demanding command. You know the kind of command you got, you will go and clean the swimming pool. You will go and uh, wash the car. That's a, a, a command uh, given... W- that we have to fulfill in our own strength. But the command Jesus gives 
is an empowering command. He's put His nature into us. And if we learn how to tap into His nature, then it's no longer I who am living, but Christ living through me. So please don't get this mistaken with a kind of philosophical talk about how you must do better, you need to love better, you need to uh, be more kind. We know that the fallen man, the sinful man, is incapable of the kind of love Jesus is talking about. This love, this agape love he's talking about is not difficult. It's impossible. And that's why we have to draw on him. I want to switch analogies a little bit now. The Bible in the New Testament talks about us being a body. And as a body, we're members of one another. And many of the scriptures that I'm going to share with you speak about the one another. It's almost like the the muscles that hold the body rigid, that hold the body in place. Those muscles are the one another attitudes that we display to one another. So what I'm going to be doing this morning, I'm going to be sharing a number of these one another passages with you. But I want you to think of them as the muscles in the body of Christ that hold us together as one another. Right. So let's start with Romans chapter 12 and verse 10, which says, Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. You're saying that that sounds like it contradicts when Jesus said, love one another as you love yourself. Well, you see, he wasn't talking about loving the old self. He wasn't talking to the criminal uh, who was a serial uh, rapist and saying, you must love that person. No, you love the person who was identified with Jesus in the death, burial, and resurrection, and is now a new person with a new identity. That's the person you love. And Jesus expects that our love for one another is that kind of love. Paul says here, be devoted. What does this muscle look like? Honor one another. Be devoted. That's quite a strong word. That's the kind of language you think about when you think about getting married. You're going to be devoted to another person. How you think about your children, you're devoted to your children. However, there's a devotion that takes place between believers that it talks about. Being devoted, and it looks like this, honor one another. See, honoring is something that doesn't come naturally to our old nature. Because our old nature wants to be honored. Our new nature, that he is holding up a mirror to you from this passage to show you what you look like, is devoted and honors one another. So powerful. It goes on in Romans 12 verse 16, just a few verses lower, and it says, live in harmony with one another. Say one another, so you get the gist of what I'm trying to do here. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of a low position. That's very interesting. Harmony is a musical term. It's when you play a song in G 
or an E minor. There's a harmony of notes that flow together. He says that's what love looks like. Love looks like a harmony of notes between one another. And you get there by not being proud. You see, proud is an old human nature trait. It's the attitude of, I'm better than you. I watched some of those 17th century movies when the classicism of the day was so hectic that, uh, and it got exported all over the world, but that classicism was so bad that it degraded and belittled people who weren't in the social standing. I remember a few years ago, uh, Janet was in the UK, and one of the stories she came back with was how intimidated she felt when she was with a certain family that were the kind of hoity-toity, uh, up-class people, family, when they spoke about her being there, they spoke in the third person and didn't even make eye contact with her. So it would be a bit like you sitting over here and I say, this person who's coming today has not cleaned their shoes. I mean, that's the kind of classicism and the arrogant superiority that we got taught from Britain. Okay, I didn't say that. I'm sure the British invented classicism. Anyway, yeah, he's saying that's not how we should be with one another, but be willing to associate with people who are even of a low position. Now, I know we all have a bad day. And I know sometimes we fall back into a bit of a, an arrogance with certain people that we think we're better than. But this is to remind us that's not who we really are. And I want you to remind yourself this morning that that's not who you really are. Okay, so now secondly, as we look at these muscles of one another, 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage one another. Say, encourage one another. And build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. Isn't that beautiful? One another, do you need encouragement? Well, I know I need encouragement. So it says, encourage and build one another up as you are doing. I think sometimes we do it without even knowing we're doing it, but it's better if we make a special effort, a concise decision. I'm going to encourage somebody today. What encourages you? What what brings courage to, to, to your spirit? Maybe that's the question you got to ask because that's what you got to do for somebody else. This is my love in action. This is the muscles of the body holding the body together. In Colossians 3, it echoes a similar sentiment. It says, let the message of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and encourage one another with wisdom. Uh, through psalms and, and, and hymns and songs in your spirit, singing to the Lord with gratitude. There, there's something about from a place of being in worship myself, I can be an encouragement to others. Then thirdly, Romans 15 verse 7 says, Accept one another just as Christ accepted you. Accept one another. Say that. Accept one another. Not just tolerate, accept, but accept in the sense that 
Jesus accepted you when you were at your worst, as Christ accepted you. So when you find it difficult accepting other people, then you just got to remember what it took to accept you. I've just got to remember what it took for him to accept me. Number four, Romans 15 verse 14 says, I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with the knowledge, and competent to instruct one another. Say competent to instruct one another. You might not feel competent. That's why we need the word to be a higher authority in our life than what we think of ourselves. We need to let the mirror of the word show me who I really am. And if I am in Christ, the Bible calls me someone who's full of uh, the knowledge and the goodness of Christ, I will be competent. You see, you've got to see yourself through the lenses of the new covenant, who you are in Christ. In 1 Corinthians 12, verse 25, it says, So there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for one another. Say equal concern for one another. That means I'm only not only thinking about what's going to be good for me in this situation, but I'm thinking what's going to be good for you. I'm not only in this relationship for my benefit, I'm in relationship for your benefit. In a body that's held together by muscles, the knee doesn't have an advantage if the ankle is twisted. In the same way, if I'm not having concern for, your, for you as I'm having for myself, then the body is not prospering. Equal concern. What are your concerns for yourself at this time? Are you concerned about your future? Are you concerned about your children? Are you concerned about economics? Of course, we all share those concerns. Now let's be concerned for one another. The next muscle we want to talk about. Number six, Galatians 5 verse 13 says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to live free. Do not lose your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another. Say, serve one another. I've been amazed at the church in the last few weeks, seeing people going out of their way, giving up of their time, giving up of their treasure, giving up of precious talent to come and serve and enable others to have a plate of food on their table. This is not using our freedom just for my own benefit, to sit and indulge myself, but to be able to serve one another in love. You've been set free by grace. And as you use that to serve others, the grace will flow from you into their lives. Number seven. And I'm going through this quick, but I want you to get the scripture. Galatians 6 verse 2 says, Bear with one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Are you carrying a burden? You may say, Steve, you have no idea what I'm going through right now. Well, we won't be able to carry your burden if you don't share your burden with us. We can only help one another to the extent that we are being vulnerable and open about some of the burdens. Why don't you find somebody and say, I want to share a burden with you so that they can come alongside 
and encourage you and lift you up and strengthen you. Maybe your burden is around your family and you just need someone to stand with you and agree. You see, as we do this, we put love into practice. We can't just stand back and say, yeah, Jesus said love one another as I love you. But we don't honor each other. We don't serve one another. We don't carry one another's burdens. I know when I've got a burden for somebody. They call it a, a, a prayer burden. I'll just get somebody's face come through my mind and I feel like a, a twitching, like an uneasiness. And I've learned what to do in that situation is just begin to pray for them. Pray in the spirit. Pray until the old term was the burden is lifted. There comes a feeling of freedom and a feeling of being released from that, from that anxiety. But it's a good anxiety. It's not a negative anxiety. And I want to say to those of you who pray for your leaders, thank you. Thank you for sharing our burden because we do carry the burden of the church in our hearts. Like Paul wrote to uh, the, the, the Colossians said, until Christ is formed in you, I'm, I'm carrying you like a, a baby in my bosom. I often will just be going through a crisis or a difficult situation, my head spinning, and just suddenly there comes a peace. Now I know God could do that sovereignly without anyone praying for me, but I believe God has chosen to work through our prayers for one another, through our carrying each other's burdens, through these other things I've been sharing this morning, like accepting one another, uh, teaching, encouraging, caring, having equal concern, carrying each other's burdens. As we do this, we lift the weight in the spiritual sense of people's shoulders. And I can feel it. I can almost pinpoint moments. And I've had, I've got testimonies of when I actually phoned someone the next day and said, I was going through this and this situation yesterday. And they said, at that same time, I was praying for you. And I had an intuition. I had a deep sense that it was true. But that is one of the ways we carry each other's burdens. So can you see, my friend, to be the ecclesia, to be the church that Jesus is building, is not just about standing with our hands lifted and praying in tongues. It's about muscles of the body serving each other, honoring one another, not being proud, but associating with one another, caring. These scriptures I've shared with you this morning and the next Sunday, I want to continue and finish this series off. But it fits right into the question of what should the church look like? Yes, it's the authority of God on earth. But what about amongst ourselves? Are we breaking bread with each other? Are we praying for one another? Are we fellowshipping? And in this day and age, I'm so grateful to the internet because it has facilitated a certain amount of fellowship. Not ideal. And I'm trusting and praying we're going to get through this. Even if we can get to groups of 10s and 20s, at least we can be found in each other's homes and start associating and being together as one another. So 
God bless you until next week. Keep praying for your leaders of the country, leaders in the church, leaders in your life as we continue to pray for one another. God bless.